This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to it. How in the world are you? Thanks for coming along for the ride today. Congratulations are in order to a Kansas woman. Uh, Sloan Stanley, 18 years of age, purchased her first lottery ticket. Just four days after turning 18, the legal limit of purchasing lottery tickets. And she won. It was a $5 purchase for the Kansas Lottery Cash Cow Scratch-Off Ticket. She won $25,000. That's the top prize for that particular scratch-off game. And it was her very first lottery ticket. Congratulations to Sloan. <laughs> I want to be happy for her, of course. But the whole time, as I'm reading this story, all I can think of is the line from Karate Kid. Way back in 1984, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel. You begin a I'm sorry, what was that, Mr. Miyagi? You begin a luck. But congratulations to Sloan Stanley for winning 25 grand on her first ever lottery scratch-off ticket. No, really, I mean it. I mean it. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So since it's Monday, for those of you listening live, the 8th of March 2021 coming off a big weekend I know we had a we've got a lot to talk about oh my gosh we've got so much to get to today but first what'd you do this weekend did you just sit there and watch say Megan and Harry or The Walking Dead and had what you thought was ice cream that you purchased from you know one of those regular stores and you thought eh it was okay I mean it was just okay. Well, I've got news for you. Uh, there's actual ice cream out there that is that you will think to yourself, why have I been eating this store brand ice cream all these years? Brooker's Founding Flavors Ice Cream. You've got an ice cream you can love and to be proud to eat. Yes, I know. They're not, uh, you know communists they're just regular people that are proud to be americans brooker's founding flavors ice cream delivers ice cream you'll love and with a historical twist now during the month of march you can try out the guns of boston flavor which has chunks of little debbie oatmeal ice cream pie in it <laughs> uh yes please and you know, that flavor obviously celebrates Evacuation Day when the British were forced out of Boston during the Revolutionary War. And of course, we have St. Patrick's Day in March. So we have the ice cream, the magically delicious ice cream with mint Oreo cookies and cream, chocolate chip brownies, and these mints all blended into one lucky scoop of ice cream. 
<sighs> You'll find these flavors and many more on the Brooker's Founding Flavors Ice Cream website, brookersicecream.com, brookersicecream.com. Just go to the website, look at their ice cream flavors. It's amazing. You can click on the Ship Nationwide tab and they'll deliver it right to your door. You've got Brooker's ice cream at your front door. I know, I know, I know. You're welcome. Uh, on behalf of Brooker's Ice Cream, of course. Brooker'sIceCream.com. Just click on that Ship Nationwide tab and you can order what ice cream you want. And, you know, it's so thick and creamy. It is nothing like you've ever had before. When you have Brooker's Ice Cream, you're going to say to yourself, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I said it before. Why have I been eating this other stuff all my life? Because... This ice cream will make you realize that you really shouldn't have been. You should have been eating Brooker's ice cream. Brooker'sicecream.com. Click on that Ship Nationwide tab and they'll deliver it right to your door when you want it delivered. I know. I know. Sweet. Sweet. Brooker'sicecream.com. Brooker'sicecream.com. So, more congratulations are in order. Uh, Mackenzie... Scott, the uh, former wife of Jeff Bezos, uh, just remarried. Uh, congratulations. I guess she's happy, and I guess they acknowledged the marriage on the couple's webpage for the Giving Pledge, the philanthropic organization, which encourages the world's richest people to dedicate a majority of their wealth to charitable causes. Now, her new husband, Dan Jewett, a Seattle school teacher. I don't know if he's going to continue teaching school or not. It's possible. It is possible. But he claims that he's married to one of the most generous and kind people he knows and joining her in a commitment to pass on an enormous financial wealth to serve others. I look forward to the growth and learning I have ahead as a part of this undertaking with Mackenzie. Yes, I bet it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, uh, living in Seattle with the four kids and husband Dan. And I, you know, I guess Jeff is okay with the guy. Look, they only have $53 billion to, uh, to worry about what they're giving away. She, uh, she is part of the giving pledge. And she believes that she's going to give it all away uh, before she, you know, ends it all. That's what I love. They're going to give it all away. Not really. Um, there's no way that, uh, you know, they're going to give all this away. But there's plenty in trust funds that, you know, the kids will be fine. And now a school teacher, Dan Jewett, man, that's not, that's living a good life. That's good at living a good life. Congratulations to both of you. And I hope you're, you're happy forever. I know um, that you've given away, uh, 4.2 billion to 384 organizations in December. I know that your philanthropic plans have not changed and you're going to be thoughtful and take time and effort and care and that you don't really want to wait. You want to, you know, keep at it until the safe is empty. <laughs> I know that's what you said. So I would like to offer, you know, a place for you to empty a little bit from the safe 
to make you feel better uh, about, you know, getting rid of that, getting rid of that money that's just weighing you down. It's just weighing you down. So Jeff Fisher is my name. Uh, Chewing the Fat is the show. And uh, you will, we're willing, the show and myself, uh, willing to take a little of your, your, your gift from your giving pledge from your safe to mine, Mackenzie. So anything you want to, anything you want to give, like, I mean, I don't want to be greedy. I don't want, you know, billion, uh, you know, a few million, a few million. What are you going to, you're not even going to miss it and you're going to feel better about yourself. So I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Mackenzie and you and new hubby can uh, feel better about yourself and give a little bit to me. Is that too greedy? No, she wants to give it away and help. And I'm here to, I'm here to help her help herself. It is International Women's Day today too. So hello to all you women out there. And man, it's good to be you, I bet on today. Uh, you know, our president is going to sign executive orders, gender equity and Title IX policies today. Because it is International Women's Day. So it's an important day. And I know you're all excited about it. Especially the pastor who had his uh, you know, sermon this weekend. A Missouri pastor. And he is now, you know, had taken a little leave of absence from his church. <laughs> I don't know why he took a leave of absence. So what? He told the wives of his congregation he doesn't expect them to look like former First Lady Melania Trump, who, whom he called the epic trophy wife of all time. But you don't need to look like a butch either. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. He preached to the First General Baptist Church in Malden, Missouri, about his views on the importance of having an attractive wife, telling women to practice weight control, warning them against wearing sweatpants too much and not giving their husbands a reason to be looking around. All right. <laughs> he said he doesn't think women have the capacity or ability to understand how visual men are. Ladies, it's the way God made us. <laughs> now, in his sermon... He's using uh, big screen effects that uh, that is part of the show as well. And uh, <laughs> it sparked a little bit of outrage from a lot of users. Misogynistic, offensive. And by Monday, uh, you know, last week, the General Baptist, I said it was this Sunday, it was last Sunday, uh, the General Baptist Ministries, uh, the national organization for Clark's denomination, issued a statement saying that their council had met to address concerns from Clark's sermon. <laughs> Those comments are not consistent with the position and values of General Baptist. Really? You're sure about that? General Baptists believe that every woman was created in the image of God, and they should be valued for that reason. Furthermore, we believe that all individuals, regardless of any other factors, are so loved by God and Christ are so loved by God that Christ died for them. I don't think he's saying that that's not true. He's just saying that, yeah, you were created 
uh, in the image of God, but, uh, you know, we don't need you looking like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> uh, the first part, there's, the video post is like 22 minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole sermon, but I did enjoy the first little bit of it. Then I want you to know a need that a man has that he won't ever tell you about, but since I'm the preacher man, I'll say it. Your man needs an attractive wife. Well, anybody else thinks about Well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Your man needs a, needs an attractive wife. Hockey player said, he said, I married a trophy wife, but now she looks like the Stanley Cup. You see what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about. All right? That's what I'm talking about. And, and ladies here, here's the thing you need to know about men. Don't give him a reason to be like this distracted boyfriend. You hear me? Don't give him a reason to be looking around. Hello? Don't do that. I've said this for a long time. I'll say it again. It's free, by the way. Is I really don't believe women understand how visual men are. I really don't. I don't think that I don't think I don't think it's in their capacity, their ability to understand how visual that men are. I really don't think women understand how important it is for a man to have a beautiful woman on his arm. You know, there's not a lot of amens going on out in the audience. <laughs> it goes on for another 20 minutes. Wow. So uh, people will wound up a little upset at uh, the reverend. And, uh, you know, the reverend Stuart Allen Clark uh, is, uh, you know, on a leave of absence now from the first general Baptist church. And uh, he may rethink some of his, uh, preaching as it, uh, as it goes on. So anyway, if you are a member of the first general Baptist church in Malden, Missouri, I think you understand why a lot of you were a little upset. I'm sure the guys, uh, the men were like, yeah, that's right. So what if we've got the beer belly of the, the triple chins? So what? You need to be hot. <laughs> hey, happy International Woman's Day. Okay? Happy International Woman's Day. <laughs> Makes me think of the, the old joke about the husband and wife. And the wife really needs somebody to tell her something nice. <laughs> you know, the... The joke where the husband and wife, the hubby is, you know, laying down on the bed and the wife is looking in the mirror and she sees that her, you know, arms are getting a little flabby and, you know, her backside's getting a little flabby and she's looking in the mirror and she tells her husband, man, I can't, I can't believe it. My arms, and my, my thighs, and I really need somebody to tell me something good about myself. And the husband says, well, at least you've still got your eyesight. <laughs> You can use that if you want. Okay. All right. So where do we go? Do we go to, uh, you know, the three people that sat down and talked to each other last night that don't need last names? Uh, Oprah, Harry, and Megan? Or do we talk a little Coming to America, which, uh, which debuted this weekend on Amazon Prime? Both, uh, both strong both strong so um where should we begin i guess we start with you know megan harry and oprah 
Look, Oprah paid, we've talked about it, Oprah paid about $8 million. I'm sorry, got paid $8 million from CBS, her production company, to broadcast the interview. And they uh, they were getting about, uh, I don't know, 325000 or so for a 30-second 30, 30 spot during, uh, during the interview. And uh, man, was it a whiny session. It was a whiny session. No doubt about that, man. Um, fascinating, fascinating timeline during that interview. And, uh, some of it, I kind of believe most of it seemed like, okay, quit your whining. I mean, I should just go through the whole interview and comment during the whole thing, but she talked about being suicidal. No one would help her. Oh, the royal family was racist against my baby. We talked about that here on this show. I'm sure they did. You know, somebody talked to Harry about whether, you know, how dark was the baby going to be? And he wouldn't say who talked to him about it. Huh? Huh? So we just left to our own devices to wonder who it was. And it took place in the neighborhood there in Montecito, according to Oprah, Harry, and Meghan. But it wasn't any of their places. It was one of the neighbors. They took over one of the neighbors' houses and uh, looked beautiful, man. <laughs> I looked like a tough place to live. Um, no doubt about it. But then they ended up going to Harry and, the back of Harry and Meghan's place uh, where the, you know, Archie's chick in where they kept the chickens and Harry mentioned the dogs more than once he loves those damn dogs I think he felt like he loved the dogs more than Megan but no just joking not really but he mentioned he mentioned the dogs a couple times he loves those dogs and they showed you know Oprah and Megan and Harry and the chicken coop getting eggs okay just like normal people they're just regular normal people in their security neighborhood that's what they were most concerned about was the security, which I don't really blame them. Um, you know, of course, you know, Harry was wound up that they were pulling the security on him and that's what bothered him uh, the most. What made him really mad is they were pulling the security and Megan even said, I tried to tell him, even if you pull the security on me, don't pull it on Harry. Uh, uh, he still needs it because of all the racist people that are threatening his life. I find it hard to believe. Now, it's possible, but I find it hard to believe. They they really played the race card hard. Oprah seemed shocked that someone would mention that the child might be dark. Okay, really? Oh, all right. We got you. We got you. And then Harry talked about being trapped. And, you know, you got to be on your A game. Well, yeah, that's the gig. Uh, we all know... You know how hard a job it is, I guess. You know, I know, you know, when you're in the car, you can be thinking about anything. When you open the door, you got to be on your A game. Yeah, that's why you live in a castle. That's why you make millions of dollars every year. Okay? Yeah, that's right. And so he talked about how they were jealous of Megan after their Australia trip. And we said that we offered to move, they said. Before they moved to Canada, they offered to move. Yeah, we know that they were going to go to South Africa. But after they went there, uh, knew 
they decided uh, <laughs> you're not living in South Africa. <laughs> uh, that, I'm pretty sure, but we didn't delve into that too much. Uh, we talked about Harry mentioned his father and his brother being trapped. Oh yeah, and then he's he's had a great relationship with the Queen, but he doesn't really. You know, he and his dad don't talk as often. They're talking now, but for a while, dad didn't even accept his calls. But now they're, you know, they do talk, but it's, you know, it's a different kind of talk. And the the uh, the relationship between Harry and William is space now. Yeah, that space would be, William's going to be king and you're not. And they talked about titles for the kid and all of that. And look, the title thing, he wasn't going to get a title anyway due to the bloodline, right? If you if you go down the bloodline for, uh, you know, the king and great-grandchild and great-great-grandchild, that kind of thing, of the queen and the bloodline, who's going to, get, who's going to become king, firstborn and the firstborn of the firstborn. So uh, Archie's not in that line of succession. I mean, he's way down that line of succession. So, you know, they talked about how he, and then he was cut off completely. And Oprah was like, what? They cut you off completely? And then he threw in, he threw in in the interview, well, I had what my mom left me. Yeah, that was about, I don't know, 35, 40 million. So you were okay. I know, you know, that you could blow through that 35 or 40 million pretty fast paying for, uh, you know, probably, what, a million dollars a year for security? Maybe. Maybe more. Depending on how much, you need, how much you're getting. If you're getting 24-hour security, uh, I mean, that's at least a million a year. So, I get it. And th- they talked about how that was before the Netflix deal. Uh, you know, that was only, they only got, they're only getting about $100 million for that. That's the deal with Spotify to make, uh, you know, podcasts and videocasts under Archwell audio banner and uh i know that megan has her uh oak milk lattes blends that she's selling with clever blends and so you know it's tough to feel sorry for him it's real tough to feel sorry for him and i wished i wish they would have understood that and i don't think they do i think they you know they believe that people will feel sorry for them and uh you know, then they announced the new baby. Uh, they were, they're so care. They so much care about privacy. They of course had to announce the new baby on, uh, uh, on the interview with Oprah and it's going to be a little baby girl and they're so happy and it's just so wonderful. <laughs> okay. All right. And Megan said her biggest regret was believing the Royals, would protect her and Harry and the baby. And she made no mistakes other than failing to realize how bad the, you know, okay. Uh, and then she talked about, um, oh my gosh, there's so much that she was whining about. She talked about never looking up Harry. She didn't know about the Royals. Are we to believe that she is going into a relationship with the Prince and she doesn't look them up and look up any stories and look any look any of it up. And she talked about uh, her mom. It just wasn't part of our life. And my mom asked, I wonder if anybody's done an interview like this before. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, it's just not in our life. And then we had to look it up. And of course, it was, Diana did. 
yeah, that was part of the deal. And Harry was trying to say that he was seeing uh, history repeat itself with Meghan. And he didn't want that to happen. I mean, that's what the story is, right? If you're to believe that. And it's just... For those of you that don't care about the Royals, this is a perfect example of why you don't care about the Royals. I'll tell you that. Because that's a whining session. I'm sure it felt like a whining session. And then they promoted, Oprah threw in a promotion out there with, uh, she's working with Harry on some other stuff that's going to be produced. And I don't know if that's through Archwell, if that's part of the Netflix deal, or if that's with through Oprah's company. Uh, I don't know. Oh, they're all, they're all, uh, interconnected now and they're all, you know, milking the system for as much as they can. So congratulations. Good for them. Good for them. I mean, I know I can't, I can't stop thinking about it now. I know that, uh, you know, Megan said the deal of, uh, making Kate cry was a lie. It was Kate that made her cry. Wow. Okay. All right. She said that she felt like the Little Mermaid. She just happened to watch it. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's so much real life that she married the one she loved and lost her voice. But in the end, she got her voice back. So she said, uh, you know, fell in love with a prince and lost her voice. But in the end, she got her voice back and everything worked out perfectly. Even with all the, you know, colonial undertones of the of the royal family and the press coverage on them. But I think my favorite social media post from last night and for whether you enjoy the royals or you don't enjoy the royals, uh, I think it sums it up the best. And I don't know how the queen feels about this interview. I mean, I, th- I feel like they tried to not throw the queen under the bus. And he talked about having a great relationship with his grandmother and everything. So, you know, maybe, maybe they're okay with the queen. The rest of the firm, as they called it, the, you know, the business of the royals and uh, the inner workings. I mean, you just have no idea. You have no idea what you see on the outside and what's going on on the inside. You just have, people just don't know. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it, Megan? Because a lot of people don't know because that's the way it works. See, it's like acting. Remember the actress that you are? It's like that. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to know the inner workings. We just want to see the the content. And that's what the royal... Never mind. I just... I can't. But anyway, my favorite tweet is from Craig Stone, who's a, a writer. And I, I believe he works for The Guardian as well. He writes for The Guardian. But his tweet is, I look forward to watching a billionaire question two millionaires on how hard it's been leaving billionaires to continue being millionaires. Thoughts and prayers to Harry and Meghan in this difficult time as they adapt to new staff and a new mansion. (laughs) Very funny. And they talked about the different houses they've lived in since they moved to California. Tyler Perry let him live in his place with security and all, so they felt safe. And then they moved to Santa Barbara, and now they're up in Montecito. Uh, good for them. Good for them. That's, I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's way more than you wanted to know, but I could get into it <laughs> a lot more. Man, it was just fascinating to hear them both whine and cover it like they weren't whining. It's just 
just amazing. All right, let's go to the break room. I desperately need something cold to drink. Oh, my goodness gracious. Did that sound good? Oh, and it tastes good, too. That could be a new commercial for that company. You're welcome. Hey, reminder, if you're listening to this right now and you are not a subscriber to this show, please become a subscriber. It will turn your life around and make your life that much better knowing that you are a subscriber to Chewing the Fat. I know. Right now you're thinking to yourself, is that possible? The answer is yes. But you have to take the first step. You have to decide to become a subscriber to Chewing the Fat. Once you do that, then you realize you have the power. So you choose a platform that you choose. It, it, it's free. You can choose iTunes or iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, just to name a few. There's a plethora of other platforms out there for you to choose from. But you've made that first step toward making your life that much better. And that's where you want to be in your life. So subscribe to Chewing the Fat and turn your life around. I know, it sounds silly, but it isn't. Once you do that, then you'll realize that you need to subscribe to my Twitter, at JeffyJFR. You need to subscribe to my Facebook, Instagram, and Parlor Jeff Fisher Radio. And you need to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Chewing the Fat. But first and foremost, subscribe to this show that you're listening to now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher, this podcast will help turn your life around. Okay? Okay. Uh, That's what I thought. Hey, we congratulated Mackenzie for getting remarried again. Uh, Let me congratulate Nicolas Cage for getting remarried again. You know, not the second time. Well, not the third time. Well, not the fourth time. But the fifth time. Uh, Nick got married uh, in Vegas and to his new 26-year-old bride. And congratulations to Nick. He is uh, back in love again. And gosh darn it, there's just, you know, there's no, there's nothing you can do when you fall in love. You're just happy and you want to become a couple. And that's exactly what the 56-year-old actor and his 26-year-old bride feel uh, as they got married last month and now we're aware of it and gosh darn it there is just well it's just love and congratulations that's all there is to say so before we get to uh coming to america review uh, a couple stories that uh made me go hmm hmm isn't that interesting so all the people in texas that got charged uh, extra for their electricity during the winter storm you know billion total more in those electric bills. Yeah, uh, you're still going to have to pay the bill. Wow. So they were hoping to have those charges taken away or at least reduced greatly. And the uh, commission said, uh, the Public Utility Commission, yeah, we're going to let those prices stand. Uh, You know, it might seem like retroactively reducing the charges would be good for consumers. Yeah, it might seem that way. Wouldn't you think so, Arthur DeAndrea, uh, PUC chairman? But 
Look, it reflects a simplistic view of how Texas Power Market works. So you're just too stupid to understand that you, uh, you're just, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Uh, so we don't know who we're hurting. And so we're not going to redo it. Oh, okay. So you've got one lady that uh, is suing. Uh, she's got a class action suit against Gritty, the electric company, uh, an electric company in the state. And the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, is suing the company for deceptive practices, specifically for promising Texans cheap wholesale prices when it knew that energy costs could increase during the high demand. And that was kind of my argument with that, is that it seemed like they were all happy, happy, happy when they were paying barely nothing because they were getting electricity for cheap. But part of the deal that they signed up for is when prices go up, you have to pay that too. Now, those prices were up for a lot longer than they should have been, and it was for a lot more than what had been talked about. I understand that. So, and I, I mean, if my bill was 10,000 bucks, good luck, God bless. Uh, they're saying that people are working out deals with the power companies. <laughs> yeah, I bet they are because it's going to be a tough road to hoe. No matter, I mean, a lot of people were paying, uh, you know, their regular high winter rate is, you know, three, four hundred dollars. And now you're talking about bills between, you know, six and ten thousand dollars. Um, just so we're clear, that's a big jump. I know. I know you can quote me on that. That's a big jump. So, I mean, I wish everyone the best and I hope somebody steps in and helps them out that got, uh, they got the high bills, but man, that's tough to take. And they are looking like, Hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So live with it. Then we had Amanda Gorman, you know, the poet laureate, uh, who last week was in the news because the white guy that was, uh, putting her poetry into uh dutch or the netherlands or you know that part of the world over there um <laughs> just joking stop it and uh she he was too white i know he was he was uh pansexual i think i think he was pansexual anyway he was just white and we can't have that so we need a black person to do it well on friday she said that she was racially profiled by a security guard and i went huh that's interesting. I wonder what happened. Well, uh, she said she was walking home when a security guard demanded she proved she lives at her building because she looked suspicious. Now, I don't know if the security guard said she looked suspicious or if that's what Gorman thought happened. Okay. And she said that, hey, that's a reality for black girls, that they can be called an icon one day and a threat the next. I'll continue to fight for black Americans who deal with discrimination every single day. So I have this question to ask. Is it discrimination when you're walking into a guarded building and the guard says, hey, give me proof that you live here? Uh, I don't know who you are. I need to know if you live in this building. That's what I get paid for. That doesn't sound like discrimination to me. That sounds like a man doing his job or a woman doing his job it doesn't say whether the security guard was a female or a male or what the security guard identified as but it does appear that the security guard was white because she would believe so she was racially profiled and she wouldn't have been racially profiled if it was a black security guard anyway i i find it hard to believe 
that you're racially profiled by a security guard that's guarding your building to make sure that nobody comes into your building that doesn't live there or isn't on the list of visitors. So that doesn't sound like you were racially profiled. You're just pissed that the security guard didn't know who you were. Uh, that's not being racially profiled. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm glad we've got that cleared up a little bit. <laughs> and then I saw, <laughs> I saw where a Rottweiler was trying to culturally appropriate being a wolf at the Chinese zoo. I know, right? Even dogs are trying to identify as something else, can't they? So I guess people at this zoo in China were all wound up because there was a Rottweiler in the wolf enclosure. <laughs> and uh, there was a video that went viral that talked about someone saying, Woof, are you a wolf? But uh, I guess the wolf that was there had died. And they just set the, put the dog in there because they didn't know what to do with the dog. But they didn't close up the wolf enclosure or the walkway to the wolf enclosure. So people were still coming up and looking into where the wolf was supposed to be. And it was the dog. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish, I wish that would happen to me at the zoo. That would be awesome. So sorry to those of you people that thought you were going to see a wolf. But. The Rottweiler was just there because he needed a place to stay. Alright, coming to America. Coming the number two America, the second installment of Coming to America. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was enjoyable. We knew going in that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to win on from number one, no matter what. I know it's been 30 years. We talked about it. It's just, you're not going to beat that classic. You're just not. I felt that it was, it was funny. There were some funny parts and you can talk about all the wokeness, but the first one was all wokeness for the time too. And it showed, you know, stereotypes It played the whole stereotype thing. So you know, it's in 30 years later, you're talking about new stereotypes and that those stereotypes are part of the wokeness crowd, right? So that's what you get. So it was interesting, uh, the way that they did it. Loved seeing all the back characters, all the old characters showing up. Uh, and you just knew that there was, they were all great characters that had to be part of the new show. No question. And I really enjoyed it. It was well, you know, I sat through it. Uh, I didn't ever want to stop it and not finish watching it. I smiled almost all the way through. I laughed at a few scenes. Um, I mean, we can, you know, get into, you know, an actual scene by scene thing, maybe someday. But, uh, you know, it's well worth the watch. And if you've never seen one, then two don't worry about it. You're not going to get any of it. Is it worth watching? Is it a standalone? <sighs> yeah, but you won't get most of it because so much of it is a throwback to number one and what happened. So, you know, 
if you saw it, uh, you know, if it's running somewhere and you sat down, obviously it's just on Amazon prime now, but you know, in the future, if you don't have prime or you're not going to go out of your way to watch it, if it's on television, on, on some network, uh, will you, will you watch it and get it? If you haven't seen one, I mean, you're probably going to think you're, you're going to realize that you're missing a lot while you're watching it because there's so much throwback to the old one, which makes it, that's what made it enjoyable. So I thought it was a good job. I thought I enjoyed it. There were, you know, I, I smiled all the way through it. The wokeness, I, I'm okay with that. It's part of the movie. It's part of the deal. And, you know, the, it was made in these times, right? So you go back to the first one. It was made in those times. And you still get funny. And you still get the characters that were great. So it it was worth it. It was worth watching it. And it was a, I thought it was a good job. I don't know how you do it any better in today's world. Uh, I really don't. I don't know how you do it any better. And for those of you that are talking about uh, it makes... Uh, I saw one review talking about how uh, this makes the original movie darker or the joke darker of trying to pick a good girl. Um, no, it doesn't. That was the whole point behind the darkness of women in bars are out partying and they're not the ones you want to marry. And I'm sorry that uh, you're, you know, you think it's slut shaming and sexism, but that's been a, that's been a thought for a long time. Well, I mean, more than 30 years, right? And that's just the way it is. And it didn't mean anything because that's what they thought back then. And yet today times, you know, the mother has turned into a decent person. So it's okay. That shows that people evolve is just insane to me that, uh, you know, how it worked out. And I loved, you know, the, I loved seeing some of the newer characters. The only one I thought might show up is, uh, Beyonce, the queen, uh, but uh, the queen bee, but, uh, she didn't show up. Uh, Gladys Knight was there. It was really good to see. It was fun. And, uh, it was fun to see, you know, uh, Wesley Snipes, Eddie Murphy, Tracy Morgan. Um, you just go down the list. And, and Leslie Jones, who I'm not a huge fan of, but I thought she did a great job. It was funny. So just enjoy. It's you, We go in with the thought that it's not going to be as good as one. And just enjoy it. Because I thought they did a really good job in today's world with the throwbacks and with the new storyline. So... Just get over it and enjoy it, okay? That's my review. Get over it and enjoy it. And you can enjoy the new guidelines from the CDC for those of you that have been vaccinated, and I mean fully vaccinated, both doses. You have to have at least a couple weeks under your belt from the second vaccination. Um, the CDC has said that they've recommended that uh, vaccinated people can come together in the same way in a single household. Wait, you can come indoors without wearing a mask or social distancing? Yes, around other vaccinated people. Oh, okay. Now they can, uh, with, and you can go into a single household with people considered at low risk for severe disease. 
such in the case of other vaccinated grandparents visiting healthy children and grandchildren. Isn't that special? You can visit your grandkids now that you're vaccinated. If you have not been sick and your grandchildren have not been sick and your children have not been sick and yet you have not seen your children or grandchildren, that's a huge mistake. That's a huge mistake. But I digress. Uh, Just there's new guidelines from the CDC and they still recommend that fully vaccinated people wear fitted masks, avoid large gatherings, and physically distance themselves from others when out in public. They advise the vaccinated people to get tested if they develop symptoms. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Now we've got uh, 31 million Americans, or only about 9% of the U.S. population, have been fully vaccinated with, and I love this, I love this line in the story, with... Uh, a federally authorized COVID-19 vaccine. Really? So you can be fully vaccinated with something that wasn't federally authorized and you still, you still think you're good. (laughs) Okay. No problem. Thank you. We got it. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's incredible that, uh, we have to be told this. I know that there was another study that I read this weekend that talked about people who wear, go out in public. They find, where was it? Oh yeah, study finds mask mandates, dining out influence virus spread. Really? You think so? I don't know that. Of course we know that. But the point was, is that it's so small. And if people still follow some basic rules of hand washing and not breathe, you know, not just follow some basic common sense rules, we get to decide what those are. And we were already deciding that a year ago when they decided, we'll just lock it down. We'll tell people they can't go anywhere. And uh, we're just going to do that forever. Oh, okay. No problem. Let's do that. We could do that for 15 days. Been a long 15 days, hasn't it? (laughs) Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Oh, and don't forget, today, the trial starts. I know. I'm just calling it the trial. Candidates for the jury... Go to Hennepin County Courthouse in Minneapolis. You know, the George Floyd killing trial with Derek Chauvin. Uh, Jury going to be picked or attempt to be picked. They've already submitted a questionnaire detailing their knowledge about the case and their views on things like policing and Black Lives Matter movement. But they'll face more questions from lawyers until 12 jurors and four alternates are selected. Opening arguments are scheduled to begin the 29th of March 2021. And they're talking about dozens, if not hundreds of witnesses over the course of four weeks. Wow. So if he is found guilty, he faces a maximum of 40 years in prison. Um, I don't even know if that's going to be enough. I mean, they've barricaded the courthouse and they've boarded up businesses and they've got police and national guard there. But I mean, all eyes are on Minneapolis now. And the three other officers charged in the death of George Floyd, that trial is supposed to start in August. So we'll see what happens after Derek Chauvin's trial. I mean, if this man is found not guilty, 
Oh boy. I don't think, I mean, Minneapolis is going to be a, you know what? On the day <laughs> that the jury decides the fate of Derek Chauvin, you don't want to be in Minneapolis and you can quote me on that. And since it's National Women's Day, I wanted to leave you with a little bit more from Pastor Stuart Allen Clark from the First General Baptist Church in Malden, Missouri from his uh, his sermon just a little while ago. And remember, now he's taken a leave of absence from his church amid the backlash from this from this sermon. But I think it's important that we hear what he had to say and, you know, how important it really was, especially on National Women's Day. The chase is over. Hey, that's where you're on. The chase ain't never over. The chase ain't never over. And by God, he don't love me the way I love now. He ought to look at his own spare tire in the mirror. Now, look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. Now, most women can't be trophy wives, but you you know, like her, maybe you're maybe a participation trophy. I don't know, but all I can say is not everybody looks like that. Amen. Not everybody looks like that. But but you don't need to look like a butch either. <laughs> It's a surprise that he's taking a leave of absence. Happy National Women's Day. 